Welcome to Hippo Brain. Hippo Brain is where we have hippo-sized conversations with people who have hippo-sized brains. These are people who we've met, we've encountered, and we've uh, had the privilege of knowing. And uh, this is a long-format conversation. So sit down, relax, grab a cup of coffee, and enjoy the ride while we speak to some of the best brains that we've had the privilege of meeting today. We're going to talk to Gitanj. I've known him for some time now, and he's, uh, I can say, a good friend. And he gives me an insight into the mind of a startup entrepreneur. I wouldn't say too much more about him, but uh, Gitanj is currently the founder of Rento Mojo. I use the word currently, and you will know why. And over to you, Rajesh. Thanks, Jamit. Uh, welcome to Hippo Brain, Gitanj. My pleasure. And Thank you. And we'll start with your journey. It's a fascinating journey. You're one of those young uh, entrepreneurs who, who run a successful startup. But it's, it's been an adventurous path for you. You grew up in uh, Raipur, Chhattisgarh, then IIT Madras. You did yep. mechanical and you did finance, you know, which is something which is a, a combo which you rarely get to see. Then uh, multiple companies you worked with, two startups in a flurry you know, a few years and then to Rento Mojo. We'll start with your initial uh, journey and we'll sure. talk about how you got to Rento Mojo. No, absolutely. I, uh, we briefly discussed uh, uh, that, uh, you know, so I, I come from a very small town, uh, Bilai, uh, that's in Chhattisgarh. You know, typically, uh, you know, a town, that it's, it's, it's pretty much set up by Bilai steel plant. So, you know, either... So you'll see a lot of, you know, those typical middle-class towns uh, where either somebody becomes a doctor or engineer. So my mom's a doctor, my father's an engineer, uh, my brother is possibly the white sheep in the family and I was the black one. Uh, he, uh, he was always a topper and he, uh, he pretty much, he, he then graduated from IIT Bombay. And then that, I guess, paved the way for me as well, uh, you know, in terms of engineering, because I was looking at my mother's, uh, you know, just the professional life. And it was too stressful managing the kids. I don't know how she did that. She did a fabulous job managing us, the family, and also the kind of a hectic job of doctors. And one is realizing in the COVID times a lot more better now. That, uh, yeah, so that I, I definitely chose the less uh, stressful path of engineering. And I... Uh, I, 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 I got into IIT Madras uh, to study mechanical there. Uh, you know, I wanted to join some other city like Bombay or something like that uh, where my brother was because uh, I just, I don't know, I mean, uh, it, it seemed uh, to me a little more glamorous, uh, you know, the small town boy coming out of a uh, small town wanted to get into a little more glamorous city or the Chennai is pretty good in itself. Uh, so I, yeah, so I I I actually st uh, studied for uh, I I was a dual degree guy. Um, so uh, but uh, not not the most sharpest guy there in terms of studies because I was doing most extracurricular most of the time. I was I was pretty much in, into music. I was uh, you know I was I was I was uh, I I led choreo uh, for for my hostel for for five years straight. So yeah, I think most of the extracurricular activities rather than studying. Uh, so that I think before the placements, that's why before the placements I had to stand out, uh, you know, in front of the others who were eight pointers or nine pointers. 
so I, I I think in those days uh, CFA was not that famous, and my brother had already cleared. I think, but uh, by that time level two, and I was having a you know uh, because of the courses like economics and all that. I I and and definitely I I I started a few ventures of my own within uh, you know within my college time as well. So I I don't know I mean that that kind of side of uh, things in finance and specifically the business finance of things really fascinated me quite a lot and I think I I I was one one of the only few who would have given CFA back in those days uh, you know 2010s uh, and I, I I sort of cleared uh, level one uh, before my placements and which really helped me uh, uh, you know in my placement times I I landed a job in uh, KPMG. Uh, worked there for a little while, uh, but uh, just but I think I was not meant for it. I I could survive for three to four months. I still have some good uh, you know leaders and friends and colleagues from there, but I I think just the whole setup was not meant for me, and I I I kind of jumped out within three months period. At that point of time, I uh, you know that's when the entire startup India story was beginning with Flipkart recently raising a you know pretty huge round. I think a Series A or B happened from Axel at that point of time. <clears throat> so I, I I joined. I think it was only about a 300 400 people team at that point of time. Still relatively new. Was just you know 5000 10000 that they would be having at this point of time. So I I was there for three to four months. I you know I got a good uh, you know uh, understanding and got a good experience on the product side of things. Uh, you know, uh, but while I was at KPMG, I I I already was struck with the seed in my head that you know what my next venture would be, uh, because while I was a consultant in that kind of a setup where most of the idea it it was very difficult to push the idea forward and just you know execute it. In a in a in a in a large MNC at the end of the day. So, but whatever clients that I was getting, whatever complex problems that was uh, thrown upon us, uh, being a fresher, I didn't know much about it. Uh, so, I used to being a consultant, I used to consult several people who are in the domain, and I used to go to them with those problem statements and consult them, take the answers and responses, and go back and try and solve the problem of the client. Essentially, I thought if every other project I'm actually taking a, a scenario like this. Why not build a platform where, you know, essentially you can reach out. You can possibly, you can imagine a single sign-on from a LinkedIn, etc., where you are able to drag on most of the profile or the journey of the, uh, you know, professional altogether, and slowly and gradually you can book calendars with each other, either on a webcam session like this, or you know, essentially over a phone call. So that was the first venture. While being getting good product experience from Flipkart, I thought possibly I can use uh, those learnings into an actual execution of the product. and that's how i started my first venture right it was called quick to skill it was essentially a platform where two you know individuals can book uh, you know each other for expert consulting sessions uh, that was the first one uh, but yeah i i think i was more of a tech and product guy uh, to begin with i i you know i i think i i started off from a small room uh, got some bit of angel capital i expanded the team to about 7 to 9 10 people uh you know went to a proper office and then scaled back i mean saw the journey of its uh, you know coming down as well at the same time i the, you know in hindsight i think one of the most enriching experiences at the time where you know some of my friends were taking very high salary jobs at the end of the day i was still trying to struggle in 5000 rupees a month 
but was a very enriching experience. I think we built a pretty good product, but I think some of the things we lacked uh, uh, did well on the product side, but we lacked on the sales and the marketing side. I think uh, you know just the focus uh, in hindsight over the you know actually getting a good amount of revenue and building a good story of unit economics and all that was not there, and hence the scale was not there. Uh, we couldn't scale it up pretty well. Uh, so yeah, so it, it was a good one and a half years of journey, and we were not making a lot of revenue, but uh, and essentially we were bringing in you know people like. Uh, what I was at that point in time, you know, possibly somebody who's three to four years of experience into his professional life. We were bringing in those kind of people in, uh, as experts. And definitely when their profiles were coming up, that was not very, very exciting for the, you know, folks to actually latch on and start giving some sort of a revenue for the sessions. Uh, so essentially what, what, what we started bringing in, and at that point in time, uh, you know, I, I, I took some capital from an angel investor and his friend was, uh, you know, of the likes of BV Jagdish, uh, you know, and, you know, Sun Microsystems, he, he sold Citrix. So uh, consulted a bunch of people at that point in time. And we, I was trying to get, you know, folks of that stature to actually come on the platform and deliver a workshop. Uh, but, but one of the problem statements that I was facing there was that those guys didn't want to come for, you know, 10,000 rupees or 5,000 rupees a session. It would have been peanuts for them. So uh, I, I, I kind of turned the equation towards saying that why don't you give the proceeds of the session to a charity of your cause? That might make sense. And that's where I think the pivot happened from my first venture to the second one because we, we did see some sort of attraction going on in this one that we were able to bring in a lot of people, get them deliver workshops and the proceeds uh, started going to a charity of their cause. And that's, that, that piqued my interest in the NGO space. Uh, uh, and while I started exploring a lot there, and I'm, I'm still fairly excited, I still don't think, uh, you know, India has reached the right GDP per capita to, you know, ensure that, you know, we will start seeing a huge market with respect to the NGOs industry. But I, I, I that, that's something that that's that's fairly close to me, and you know, I, I did, I tried to get into that with all my heart. Uh, and while I researched more and more. I got in touch with a couple of, uh, you know, folks those who were actually building some good products in this industry. Uh, you know, uh, apart from Keto and Wishberg and a couple of those who were there in 2013, I actually got and joined hands with, uh, uh, you know, uh, Siddharth, who was, uh, uh, who was owner for Web Chutney at that point in time, fabulous guy, uh, you know, loved uh, always love working with him. Uh, so yeah, so the, 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 uh, he, he brought me into this concept that, you know, why don't you join in? Uh, you know, you're already trying to work around in the NGO space. Why don't you join in? Uh, what, what we're trying to essentially do is bring in some sort of a capital allocation from the uh, CSR budgets of the companies and trying to fund a bunch of NGOs. And we're trying to build a very nice product there. We actually, uh, I found that exciting uh, because NGR CSR space was still fairly huge. Uh, you know, a decent amount of capital could have been brought from there. Uh, but what we realized was that CSR as a concept within an organization is fairly uh, confused. Uh, you know, nobody is able to make a decision on how much. I mean, if, uh, if, if I mean, I, I, I didn't see that people had the decision making capability to actually say, okay, let me invest a crore or even a 50 lakhs or maybe a couple of lakhs itself. Uh, so uh, we, we pivoted and I think that was a very interesting pivot that we started, uh, you know, we were getting a good uh, traction on the platform at that point in time. I mean, with the kind of stories and beautiful merchandising that we were doing at that point in time of the videos and the stories, I actually went, we, we went around a bunch of NGOs which were solving 
problems for uh, abandoned girls, abandoned babies, uh, you know, acid attack victims. I, in fact, met the, uh, you know, uh, I met the lady behind uh, that Deepika Palkon movie. It was fabulous to, you know, meet them uh, and just listen to the journey and document it. And we were getting a good traction. We started turning that traction and started going to, uh, you know, uh, branding and the marketing divisions of the companies and said, that we can create this into a very good ripple effect or a network effect where uh, you want traction, you want CPCs at the end of the day, we'll be able to get you that. We can get your impressions in CPC, where people will be, because just the way story is created, people would be sharing that a lot on their social media platforms and elsewhere. For every share, why don't you start you know, giving in one, two rupees or three rupees, right? For every like, you start giving a couple of bucks. And for every donation that the consumer is doing, why don't you match it up or double it? That's that's it. So you will be you will essentially be championing the cause. You will get a lot of hits, which you can you know possibly create for brand awareness. And we used to align stories like that as well. Like a computer lab, uh, NGO solving computer lab for street children would get aligned with Google. It can't get aligned with a make my trip. So you know, so that's what we started doing. It was very interesting at that point in time. We were able to bring in make my trip. Vodafone, Google, uh, you know, a couple of these uh, companies to start the, you know, dialogues with us. And uh, it was a very interesting one. In fact, uh, within the four to five months of starting up, we, you know, already there was a large organization who wanted to, you know, uh, buy it out, uh, you know, for, uh, I think, a million dollars or so. Uh, at that point in time, I think uh, Siddharth and everyone felt that it will be too early, uh, you know, and everyone was uh, seemingly, uh, they wanted to pursue uh, continuing at that point in time, I, I couldn't imagine that the depth of the market is there for this to become a really, uh, you know, big one, big organization. And I was still possibly, uh, you know, maybe 23, 24 at that point in time. And I thought that, you know, this will, by the time I turn, you know, let's say 35 or so, I, 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 I don't see this becoming a billion dollar one. Uh, more materialistic at that point in time, but I, I took the jump out. And, uh, you know, that's when I started Pepperfry. Uh, I mean, I joined Pepperfry and I started, uh, uh, you know, selling furniture and appliances there. Uh, uh, I, I was, I was uh, building that from scratch. Uh, you know, the category at Pepperfry, I was trying to build that from scratch. Uh, so fairly long story. I mean, uh, did you, do you have anything in between or you know, should I just continue uh, to rent a mojo from here? Well, fascinating listening to you. I think we'll, we'll get to the Rento Mojo a bit, but uh, sure. uh, we'd love to know more. So essentially, you, 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 you were doing all of these ventures. Right. Okay, so, uh, so it's really, it, it, mustn't, it must not have been easy in the sense that two startups where you spend, I mean, no, two, uh, two work experiences, KPMG and then Flipkart, short times there, and then two startups, uh, Things not working out for both. Uh, right. Then paper fry. Right. And somewhere you go out and start Rento Mojo. How did? Yeah. That, okay. Where did that idea come from? No, I uh, so uh, idea came from because when I when I joined KPMG, uh, you know, so ideas keeps coming. I mean, I, I think that, that that's going to be a problem for all of us. <laughs> You know, most of the people who would have ventured out or started, uh, you know, there, there are small bursts of ideas. There's a problem statement that is thrown at us. I mean, everyone I've, I've seen in the entrepreneur circuit or anybody who has the problem solving bend 
would transform it and that suddenly becomes a seed that you would want to work on and so the maturity of the seed only becomes better as you go forward once you start making a bunch of mistakes so i think that was there uh, since the college days uh, but uh, specifically uh, you know for rento mojo when i was at kpmg i remember my first salary was around 25000 rupees and i i had to borrow uh, you know uh, till my neck out from my friends and families to even furnish my apartment so i think it was my first job and i wanted to actually make it beautiful i spent around lakh lakh point five in terms of buying everything or putting it all together which in hindsight was one of the worst mistakes that i did because you know within 15 months i had to shift to a new city altogether and just the carrying cost of all those products would have been close to about 30 to 35000 rupees so it just i i felt it doesn't make sense i mean for for something that i have bought for and spending 20 to 30% of that value in terms of just relocation so i tried to sell off a few products there and there and i, I you won't believe a second hand product is a second hand product whether it's 2 months old or a 6 months old or a 15 months old it doesn't matter uh so you know what 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 i mean to say is the moment it's a second hand uh, the value that people typically associate with it is peanuts so even possibly a 15000 rupees fridge will go for 2000 2000 rupees because they want to they make their own margins when they'll be selling it to a consumer they'll typically want to make at least a 5000 rupees which is 30% or so and they want to make a 20 25 30% margin so essentially they'll be selling it at 3500 to 4000 rupees at max which is which is nothing uh, you know uh, in front of you know the cost that you typically spend in terms of buying it so i i i had that bad experience of selling it at peanuts i had that bad experience of packaging repackaging and essentially going there to bombay uh, spending a great amount of deal in terms of whatever important essentials or products that i had so i thought this time i'm not going to buy anything i uh, so incidentally when i joined petrofy i was uh, you know the the bad ill effects that i faced with furniture and appliances i was i was responsible for leading that category as well at the same time i was able to quickly see a parallel that what kind of consumers are coming here typically the consumers who were coming uh, you know in terms of buying proposition and specifically because of flipkart and uh, you know petrify i was able to relate these were folks those who had the capital uh, that you know 11.5% uh, you know of the pyramid uh, was possibly 50, you know 30 40 50 thousand rupees plus 35 years plus those settled guys uh, those were living in their own house typically uh those were the ones who were buying products and of course there was a some section of the people those who were looking out for affordability and uh, then hence was getting drawn towards emi but i felt uh, there was a lack or a void of a solution for folks like me uh you know when i say folks like me in the sense those who were uh, i don't know paranoid about migration or or possibly uh that's what my father says that you know your generation is completely gone that you know because typically folks in my circle were moving every two years uh gone were the days where people were sticking around for one company for five to six years i know i mean in some in some positions people still do that and that's a good mark of somebody's great journey but i still feel i think most of the people in the organization and that's more of a supply and demand as well i mean india uh bearing this year and possibly the next couple of years from now on <laughs> but at least we have been ha- we've been having a good run of you know at least a 5 to 6% growth year on year with respect to G- gdp uh so which which brought in a great amount of specifically after 91 92 there has been a great amount of uh, you know new industry that has cropped up in india and hence there was a lot of demand for these uh, you know uh, uh, there's a lot of jobs that got created 
and of course the cities didn't have the latent demand to capture them so when are hence the migration from tier 2 tier 3 cities and because of the colleges they were that that essentially i believe started causing that migration and that's where we are that you know now even now there are so much of latent uh, you know the demand for the jobs were fairly higher in this kind of a growth period the demand for the jobs were higher than essentially the supply and hence people if if somebody wants to grow faster they will typically change jobs every 2 to 1 1/2 years uh, cutting story short i i felt that in my small subset of a you know a uh, small network itself i was seeing people are you know pretty much uh, changing uh, jobs every 3 years uh, or so so you know i felt it doesn't make sense buying doesn't make sense for folks like us and specifically when i looked at the cohort all of us because of that reason of migration were not staying in our own apartment uh, and and there were other counters macro counters to it as well that today you know if you are getting a interest at 6 to 7% and your rental yields are 2 to 3% it doesn't make sense to buy as well i mean you will keep on paying for a house for 20 years unless and until you are looking out for a capital appreciation but i think gone are those days as well i think the biggest bump happened between 1990s to 2000 till 2007 or 8 when the entire thing went bust but uh, so you know having said that the new generation was not buying and hence that that is resulting in the kind of uh you know with the real estate buying going down the rental real estate actually picking up a little bit so i i thought this can be a good proposition for all the folks those who are living in rental apartments and you know typically looking out for a short term period because there is I, it amazed me to think for a while that there is no solution if i don't want to buy there is practically every other solution if i want to buy and want to buy it cheap want to buy it on monthly installments but there is no solution for somebody who wants it only for a uh right economical solution for somebody who doesn't want to buy right now i'm looking out for a short term period and when i say short it's typically people used to associate rental with one day rental or two days rental or three days event rentals and all of that uh i never felt rental uh that definition of rental is something that i wanted to create as a solution what i was talking about a monthly installment but you for a short term period not for a one to two months or been you know, a very short term period in which the need uh, i'm talking i was talking about a lifestyle change that you keep you know possibly the new place that you go the products move along with you or you can change the products every couple of years etc etc so uh, short term needs of products for about a 14 to 15 months monthly installment more financing sort of structure is what i i thought can really help uh, you know guy like me and when i looked at the economics i was i was blown uh, because at, i mean being at pepperfry at the luxury of at least or not just pepperfry i mean at flipkart and being associated with the lollies retail companies i knew what are the margin structures and you know i i felt retail is just is it, it's superior in terms of the margin structures altogether because you are you are you are essentially rotating the same product from consumer to consumer because it's it's 14 months of chunks or of usable period with one consumer to the other and there's a large usable life they can actually build very highly profitable companies out of this uh, so just just i think that same business finance or you know that, that whole uh, i think lens really helped me to understand that this business has very superior profitability and metrics uh, when i compared the buying uh, buying aspect and 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 the business aspect of things that and the consumer need for using it for 15 to 20 months when i kind of mixed all of that i i i i felt it was a no brainer to start off so essentially what you were doing was converting rent 
into an EMI effectively or a, or a purchase decision, uh, the gap that is there between say three days and three years, that yeah. sweet spot in between and you're making it sort of into an EMI payment for the furniture for the time you're using it. Yeah, EMI payment, but uh, EMI is still something which doesn't give you that flexibility as a user, which is which is a user migratory user like me. I mean, I, I I'm using migratory, but it's it's more like a lifestyle choice, which is the you know new age folks were looking at because you know because there is no certainty. I would be changing my job, changing my house. I'll be going back to a new job and possibly a house which is closer to it, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Because of those uncertainties, EMI is still a fixed nature. Irrespective of what happens to my life, I'll continue. I'll I'll have to keep paying that EMI. So I wanted to mix that quality, good quality of an EMI, and give it to a user who's not looking to buy, who doesn't want to buy altogether. I mean, his option is EMI, but he's not looking. Our kind of consumers don't look to buy. It's not a pretty much a buying versus EMI decision. Otherwise, I think if somebody is looking out for the three to four years, rental will never make sense. So but, it's the ability to call it off. I mean, if I'm moving to, if I'm migrating, then I can end it, go to another place and do the rent mojo again. That's really what you are offering. There, there is a cost of freedom. I mean, there is a cost of flexibility that most of the people, you know, try, try and chase these days, right? And that's why you are happy uh, spending a 5,000 to 6,000 rupees, let's say, in a Ola and Uber, uh, you know, uh, going on multiple rides. I mean, some of the business, uh, I mean, if you are constantly traveling, that's the kind of amount that you anyway should spend. Uh, you know, so the, the cost uh, that might be expensive at times. I mean, people are calling out for Coca-Cola bottles from downstairs and, you know, they are paying around 150 bucks for it. So that's, that's the kind of a cost that you pay for convenience and freedom. Right. Uh, and that's, that's what it is. I mean, the cost to get out, I mean, uh, the, the feeling of being free that I don't have to deal with these hassles is something which is very powerful and will be more powerful as we go forward. Uh, so, so fundamentally you're saying EMI with immense flexibility. Yeah. So uh, over a period of time, um, when you, you set up Rento Mojo, uh, what are the kind of consumers that you've seen coming? Is it the migratory versus the ones who want to keep upgrading their lifestyle or those who want to get out? And what are the average kind of holding periods that you're looking at? And what is the consumer behavior that you see? So the consumers are definitely the ones, those who are, as I said, you know, who are living in rental apartments. That's that's like, yeah. because if you're living with your parents or if you're living in your own apartment, if you're living in your own apartment and not with the parents, that means you're, you're definitely that 0.5, you know, it's not that we didn't have, you know, consumers like that. There are a lot of consumers like that also wants to upgrade and, you know, just for the, because their mom is coming for a three to four, six months period, they'll typically go for a short term rental, etc. But I'm talking about the core consumer that we have is the guy who's staying in a rental apartment. They typically have a visibility of staying in that one place because the contract with the landlord is for typically 12 months or so. Uh, so, you know, that's the kind of a range that uh, somebody is looking at. Uh, you know, let me evaluate a solution for that period. Uh, you know, at, you can get a furnished house also. I mean, and that's going to be the more easier route to go for. So that's the kind of a consumer set that we have, you know, uh, you know, and, and it's uh, people associate that with possibly, you know, folks in the early phases of their career, but, you know, we, uh, the entire range of consumers that we have is between 20 to 40. So, you know, people, those who are 
uh, you know, and, 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 and the average is somewhere between 28 to 30. So the average is not around 22, 23 or 24. It's slowly and gradually a lifestyle. I, I think people start settling. I mean, and that's my view. People start settling once uh, they have a kid. I think that's when you want to make, uh, you know, you don't want to keep moving places and you pretty much settle down in one place. Uh, but there are two kind of, uh, you know, why this lifestyle choice helps even a consumer who's reached, uh, you know, let's say a 35, 34, is that migration need not always happen outside the city. Like, you know, you're possibly the new job can happen within the city, but a little relatively, you know, uh, you know, far, uh, you know, further from where you are currently at. So essentially, and because of the entire, you know, traffic jams and crowd, people don't want to commute. I mean, that's one of the biggest problem statements, I think, you know, as a society, we'll have to solve the traffic jams. But, you know, in the absence of that, people try and shift to a closer place to their office. And that's what causes the migration within the cities as well. Even if somebody is stable and sticking around for a relatively longer. So hence, for all of those reasons, essentially a flexible, you know, ownership solution like this really is helpful to a consumer uh, bracket uh, in, in that kind of age group and income group that I'm talking about. So Gitansh, once innovation was really on the on the rental side with this flexibility which you which you talked about, right? The second innovation that you really brought into the business was the way you financed it all, right? And I think uh, it'd be great to talk about that. The whole, I think, uh, uh, how you started and you've now got a great set of investors on board. Right. What was that journey? So, uh, yeah, I remember, I mean, the first capital that I raised was, again, uh, we put in some capital from our own pockets, but slowly and gradually, whoever was joining the team at that point in time was coming up with a couple of lakhs. So that's how we were funding it, uh, because the demand was coming up, that capital was just getting managed in no time. Uh, that's when I had to turn to my brother as well. Uh, he had already kind of burnt his fingers by funding my earlier startup, but you know, kudos to him and my mother again to take a chance at me. So they funded me back in those days once again. Uh, you know uh, that okay, uh, take some more equity. Uh, I mean, take some more uh, capital and fund it into the business. So essentially, we were buying all these assets from equity, which was not a sustainable way to do. We were seeing the deadline to. I mean, we were seeing the dead block to happen pretty soon, and that's. I think that's one of the biggest reasons rental never became a mainstream because rental was never taken uh, in the way we started looking, which I'll tell now that it was always a local phenomena for this reason, because you know, you can't, you can't keep funding it through your own pocket. I mean, it's just uh, unscalable. The closest, uh, so I, I, I'll, I'll talk about the incidents first and then the proxy to what kind of industry we started, you know, kind of thinking that we're, we're similar to that industry, but, but I'll talk about the incidents first that when we ran out of capital, but we were uh, raising, uh, we were actually, keep, uh, we kept on raising the POs, purchase orders for buying more and more furniture. I, I still remember there was a you know, nice guy called Irshad, Irshad Bhai in uh, Thirni Road in Bombay. Uh, that's the guy that we were working with and constantly raising POs for furniture. Uh, you know, uh, so uh, when we ran out of capital, we still had close to about 10 to 15 lakhs that we were supposed to pay him. And that 10, uh, 10 lakhs, 10 lakhs or 5 lakhs, I, you know, pardon me for that, uh, you know, I might not remember off the, my head, but uh, it was some amount, 5 to 10 lakhs easily. And uh, when he, and he was knocking us again and again, that where is my money at the end of the day? Very, very gentle guy, very nice guy. He, you know, uh, apparently ended up giving us a good amount of credit for one and a half months. But, uh, you know, 
then we ran out of all the options we actually made it sound like that we have a lot of business coming in but we want you to convert your 5 to 10 lakhs so that we'll keep paying you from your rentals that was a that just happened in a conversation it was not supposed to be a business model that just happened because we we had already seen a deadlock and i don't know what to do me and my uh, you know partner at that point i'm ajay we, we we were just debating with this guy and we we thought this can be a good one you know if, even if he gives a 10 lakh we'll start giving him uh, let's say you know uh, 60 70000 rupees out of the rental that we were generating in that point of time i think we we had given close to about 20 lakhs of worth of assets in the market already so whatever rental that we were generating we thought possibly a good portion of it whatever yields we were generating i'm not going to get into what kind of yields we were generating maximum humongous yields but a fraction of that is what we started giving him and i remember the first time he received the check from our side the next month there uh, i i i we felt that we have made a business model out of this that uh, you know this this kind of a monthly stream Uh, that fixed coupon is i think is the biggest market in india i mean the, the the debt market is possibly the biggest in the capital market if you if you look at and that's the most secure that's been everyone looks for a stable stream of cash flows to be coming to them on a regular basis so that they can keep funding working capital there can be multiple reasons why somebody would want to get a fixed coupon back so this guy got into that and uh, slowly gradually every other po if you were raising for 100 bucks typically 30 to 40% of that started getting in this kind of a way that okay i'm we're not going to pay you we'll keep paying you through the rentals and he was fairly happy as well that because of the margins that he was making at that point in time he was not able to just keep funding the working capital and he was making a certain degree of investment into our company and and because it was he was a very small vendor when he started working with us and he was growing with us so you know i think we needed him he needed us at that point in time and i think it did worked out pretty well uh that that kind of but that set the business model for us and you know we we took that same opportunity and his uh you know uh, repayment history and we started reaching to a bunch of uh, marwadis in uh, in my brothers uh you know network and we we got a bunch of hnis uh, then giving that 5 to 10 lakhs and 20 lakhs in no time we were we knew how to fund these assets at the end of the day and but we didn't know how difficult it would be to scale <laughs> but there was a business model and that kind of made everything exciting at least to the investors that there was a because everyone knew some bit of demand will come uh, the only roadblock would be i think one of the most prominent institutional investors at that point in time that i met the first meeting with them they asked me how long would it take for you to go to a 10 crores and what sort of a sum will be required i gave him a certain figure uh, which uh, which which just seemed was that's going to be a lot of dilution so he just felt because at that point in time we didn't have this business model of getting it financed so uh, it didn't work out but because of this kind of model it really worked out people started seeing a scalable model and that's when we got funded but in hindsight you know that's how uh, you know most of the banks and lending companies and financial markets world work uh, you know every loan that we take it's not that you know people are funding you out of equity they 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 They, they they also everything is boring at the end of the day i i think no, no bank today has enough capital if everyone wants to take the savings account back it's just the trust i mean money is at the end of the day just the, so everyone leverages on uh, through the savings that we are putting in into the banks today and that lever uh, is where a spread or 
something like an ROI or uh, return on capital that you make from the business. And I started realizing that this business is all about that. Uh, and that's, that, that was the point. I think we have not looked back. It's been five years journey and we are constantly only unearthing the more beautiful aspects of this business as we are going forward. It's, it's quite interesting. So Irshad Bhai is the, is the, is the pivot and the, the reason of your model. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll go and you know, thank you from the bottom of my heart one of these days. Yeah. <laughs> I know it should probably be there on your deck. <laughs> this is the Irshad Bhai model of Rento Mojo. Irshad Bhai. <laughs> Necessity is the mother of business models. Huh? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I can't uh, not agree more. Absolutely, absolutely. I think that's what it, it, it just, I, I think, so, uh, you know, it's, it's been said, right? I mean, it's a very difficult job at the end of the day. Uh, you're, I think one company sees, uh, you know, uh, in, in possibly five years, they see about three to four near death situations. Uh, you know, 99, point something success rate. I'm not going to get into numbers because I don't really know what are the numbers, but many companies fail, some survive, but those who survive are only the ones who are able to cross that threshold and find a solution in that near death situation. So I think uh, that, that's, that's what, uh, you know, this, this, this business has become. It's interesting. So, uh, I, I like what you're saying. So you, you at heart, you've been a product guy, you've been an engineer and you've been a CFA. And today, when you where you stand, where you're actually Not running, a CFA, but yeah, uh, like, yeah, like, uh, I didn't clear all the yeah, levels. I mean, apparently some three levels and all of that, and yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's okay. This is not shadi.com. This is only hippobrain.com. <laughs> so, uh, so uh, when you're running your firm and when you look at it, uh, obviously uh, you're, you're running a, a finance operation. You're running a tech operation. And at the heart of it, you're running a consumer-centric operation. So you've got product, engineering, and finance enmeshed into all three. And that, to my mind, is a pretty unique combination when I talk to uh, various startup founders. It's probably one out of the three most of the time. And if you're lucky, you get two out of the three. Yeah. And uh, uh, you, you seem to show three on three. But when you're running your firm and when you're talking to consumers and you're looking at insights, which part of it do you see yourself using more often? And and uh, can you share some insights on that? No, I I truly and that's something that I've realized that at, at least definitely at the forefront there will be a couple of more long term. Uh, so there's of course I mean uh, company as it scales needs to really understand what are the verticals main, main verticals of the company. What are the fundamental layers for us? Let's say it's 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 one side getting revenue, the other side getting that leverage. Uh, you know in terms of the capital. Uh, getting operations, uh, you know, it's a, it's a, it's it's a unique operation in, in itself. If I say you know we're a mixture of e-commerce company plus a banking operations uh, plus a new model, that means you know, we need to be innovative with brand also to as to create this lifestyle chain for the consumer. So the branding angle is also fairly complex in itself. So it's a mixture of all. I won't put it that one is important over the other only because I've seen cases where if one of the vertical is going down. No matter whatever you do, even if you have a leverage of seven to eight times and on, let's say 10 crores worth of equity, you are able to get 100 crores of debt from somewhere. If the revenue is not coming in in tandem to that, it will all fall apart. And let's say if a lot of revenue is coming in 
and you are not able to uh, get the leverage up to the same level, that means you are using a lot of equity to fund the assets, and you are working. You will get into working capital issues. That's what typically I've I've I've, all, I've always seen some of the biggest banks in NBFCs only. You know, people say that banks and NBFCs fall only because of a working capital and the LM mismatch. I mean, the asset liability mismatch that people call. That's the only reason for the banks to fail. Otherwise, a bank is not meant to fail. Uh, so that's what. So I think one vertical over the other is going to be very difficult to uh, you know choose. But uh, yeah, but I feel uh, when you're creating a uh, playbook from scratch, all these things becomes quite complex because everything is new. The way we run operations for over a hundred thousand subscribers today is fairly new because anybody can. There is no infrastructure today that uh, helps you come to a dashboard, hit for a relocation button. So that you go and pick those assets and then relocate to a new city. I mean, imagine the number of touch points that would happen in between. Like uh, there is no infrastructure which is helping consumers transfer the lease to a roommate. If you have a certain, let's say, uh, two or three products, it, it's uh, you can't, uh, you know, it, it, and you want to give it to a roommate. Imagine the kind of flow will happen that we'll have to verify the new user as well. There is a risk of assets, uh, you know, still within the same house. The new guy is about to go. We need to, you know, close the deposit with that guy and you know, generate a new stream of, uh, you know, working relationship with the new consumer altogether. So just when you have 18 to 19 different touch points across 100,000 plus subscribers, and any other touch point can come at any point of time, people can have multiple orders. One new order for which a KYC verification is happening, and I'm possibly, uh, you know, doing a transfer of lease with the other one. So it's fairly you know complex so the just the product and the ops infrastructure i would say it's not uh, uh you know charted territory it's very, it's very uncharted as much as uncharted territory that leverages or the collections is or verification is today we use around 130 to 140 variables to verify a user because uh, you know we 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 I mean, when we started this uh, understanding, nobody was even looking uh, for the need to verify the user, right? Chair or sofa click on verify. That used to be the you know uh, normal notion, but slowly and gradually we realized that it's so important at the end of the day. I'm still taking an exposure on the user, right? So, uh, so there's there's a now it has become a lot more evolved uh, understanding of what are the variables that are important to us, all the correlations, regressions, and slowly and gradually hopefully we'll be able to convert this into ML model. Uh, you know that I think everyone says that we have an ML model, but I think most of the industry is you know some bit away from that. But yeah, hopefully we should be able to have an intelligent model behind it. I think we are close to it, uh, and uh, I hope uh, you know most of the companies also. I think the credit model also, or the bureau model, is also fairly old. Uh, so that increases the complexity. That you know today I'm not trying to test whether that somebody has the capability to pay me back because at the end of the day, I'm giving assets at the end of the day, I want my assets back. So essentially I want the traceability of the user to be paramount, right? You should not go vanish. You don't have money. It's okay. Give me the assets back so that I can redeploy. So traceability is more important than the traditional way of looking things from a credit perspective. So that's how the variables and you know, some of the uh, data points and the sets and the way that you evaluate kind of changes. So yeah, so very complex verticals, uh, uh, I'm, I'm thankful to God that, you know, I mean, as a team, of course, minus plus and, uh, you know, negative, but as a team, there's a strong team that has come together for the direction right now. And I'm fairly, uh, you know, proud of that team. So, Hidansh, as you look ahead, what are the challenges for scaling? 
I mean, you've got a very good foundational uh, platform built. Uh, I think there's a very powerful moat that you've created with the interplay uh, of uh, multiple parameters. So it's very hard for someone to just come in and replicate all of those elements. Right. So now, how do you? What are the barriers to scaling this up many times from here? I, I mean, there's an. Uh, I think uh, the biggest right now, at least in the short term, is just the uncertainty of COVID altogether. Uh, I think I'm not the only business who would be facing it. We, every business is getting impacted in a very different way, unless and until the the uh, you know you you have actually a positive beta with with the kind of a situation unless and until you are a net tech or a pure online i think most of the businesses are impacted in uh, in, in different way if even if you are a b2b service like company there are a couple of industries that you had an exposure with who, whose revenues are down and hence you are getting affected we are not getting affected because of demand or anything like that but definitely uh, in the short term of course these lockdowns pune is in a lockdown right now Chennai just came out of a lockdown. Uh, you know, uh, any any city can go into, and suddenly COVID has become an urban phenomenon. Uh, COVID is not impacting the tier two, tier three cities quite a lot. It's impacting the major cities. It's it's Delhi, Bombay, Pune, Chennai, Bangalore. Uh, so definitely across whatever I'm hearing from the portfolio companies as well that you know definitely offline, uh, you know, companies have, have been impacted quite drastically. Uh, but but having said that, it's a short-term thing. I I understand from a long-term variable perspective. I think I I don't see uh, you know prob, uh, you know problems to scale at least going from three to four times from where we are. Uh, you know, but of course every scale will have a different kind of a problem. Uh, I think the variables are going to be the same. Just the complexity of achieving those variables, like a leverage itself, after you have crossed a thousand thousand five hundred crores of let's say assets AUM that you have let out in the market is going to be very different going from 1500 crores to 3000 crores versus you know where we are to let's say about 800 to 900 crores it's going to be a very you know doable journey so i think uh, to answer your question i think the variables are understood now uh, and that's why we don't see us more as a uh, company who has not been able to figure out a product market fit uh, and that's why we are in that growth phase now. I mean, and that's where possibly a growth capital comes in into the company. And because the variables are known, uh, typically the growth capital won't come into a company where the variables are unknown and you know the problems of scale is still unknown as such. It's, it's, it's interesting what you're saying. And the more I hear you, I've known you for some time, but I still, every time I meet you, I understand the complexities of your business are crazy. So going forward, I see. Uh, so if I if I look at the levers that you're pulling, one is the the supply side financing. So in in terms of trying for funding to come in, right. then you have the demand side financing in terms of credit risk on the individual that you are looking at. Right. The third is the acquisition side to trying to get more consumers on right. on uh, coming in. Right. Fourth is a category, the kind of range of things that you can finance as in, in some sense. And the fifth is the entire logistics of getting into this guy, taking it back from this guy, passing it on, refurbishing, I don't know, yeah. asset management. Yeah. You're, you're running on five, six levers. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> probably that's why <laughs> your education across varied fields helps you. But when you're running on all these five, six levers and running this firm, where do you see that, okay, these are the few things I think we've tackled. These are the ones that seems to be a challenge. 
these are the ones that probably we need the indian infrastructure to come up so where do you see the challenges coming forward where do you see the strengths lie and where do you think the mismatch may happen in the future uh, i mean not specifically i'll i'll uh, uh, you know specifically for our company i'm i as i said i'm i'm fairly confident of the team which has come up i know the difficult parts is of course for any uh, you know for any new concept out there uh, and i'll go back to you know what rajesh was saying that you know there there's enough modes in the business uh, you mm. know many will not come etc etc but that's that's sort of a you know negative point also for the industry which is in the initial phases because in the initial phases uh, possibly you know just imagine e-commerce you have spent around you know they have, they must have raised 5 to 6 billion dollars already uh even if 10 to 20% of that goes in terms of making the e-commerce market that's a very large sum uh you know that is you know almost a 1 billion dollars is already gone into marketing to make this kind of a consumer behavior change from offline to buying online and covid is only helping them now i mean they'll they'll be able to acquire a lot of these new first time consumers who will be possibly getting exposed to buying online for the first time and same with us i mean covid will help us from a demand side because there's going to be a lot of uncertainty a lot of job losses pay cuts gdp per capita for the next couple of years is going to be almost shrink to 40 50% uh, so we are in here for a long long run i mean whatever i hear uh, for the next 3 years the recovery is not going to happen now uh, but uh, having said that uh, i think uh, uh, you know i i i kind of derailed uh, you were you were saying that which which parts of the business would be a lot more challenging uh, as as i as i go forward uh, i feel that uh, you know most of the variables are well understood there's of course some plus and minuses with respect to the experience of the people who are running within the team today but as a company we know what are the problem statements that we can hit whatever i mean up to our best capacity we know what can be a problem statement that we can possibly hit in the future but let me tell you for a new concept like ours uh, you know like an airbnb or lending club or any new concept which is outside consumer behavior change is definitely very tricky from a branding perspective is very very tricky for any if you are just shifting a transactional behavior to one channel to the other that still you need to educate the market with that but if you are you know going for a different kind of a transaction altogether ki kal tak banda ye karta tha abhi usko bolne nahi aap ye karo uh which is a different so imagine there's just not a trans, uh, uh, transition from buying offline to online which is happening there is a different kind of a lifestyle behavior that uh, you know rather than any of the things that you used to do get into a furnished house or you know buy products from a second hand market or buy first hand buy buy products on emi all those consideration sets we are asking him to go for rental so uh, that in the longer run only helps when the industry increases but that has its pros and cons you want to be a larger market share of let's say a uh, you know 2 to 3 billion dollar opportunity or a little less market share of a 10 to 20 billion dollar opportunity so the uh, difference lies there right uh, you know and both will have a very different approach in terms of the capital requirement and the dilution and several aspects around it so yeah uh, i i don't know if i'm able to no uh, no i think you you're making a lot of sense in fact uh, uh one of the episodes we had uh, was the ed at uh, dbs bank and karthik was talking about in his life he's seen customer data and tech and this is now coming together as the three powerful forces that is driving change that is driving behavior that is driving businesses and i see your firm 
and the kind of model you build is taking all of this on steroids. Yeah, there yeah. is there is data, there is tech, there is consumer on the demand side, on the supply side, on the risk side, on the logistics sides, on the financing side. It's, it's that's very beautiful part. I mean, I I I really enjoy uh, the problems that comes in this business more than any of the problem statements that I've seen uh, so far. So that's 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 definitely true. But being in the problem is the bad thing. Coming out of one is actually a good thing in hindsight. <laughs> when you are in the problem, it's always the bad thing. Yeah. So, Idan, when you look back in your journey as an entrepreneur over the last 10 years, or the better part of 10 years, are there one or two defining moments sort of that have shaped your thinking, that have made you inflection points, that have made Gitansh Gitansh? I think all, as I said, and I was just speaking about it, that I think when I say a problem, it's the near-death situation that I've seen always right from the first venture. When I was not able to get out of it, there was a learning because of the hindsight that what went wrong. When I was able to get out of it, uh, it just boosts the confidence to a different degree altogether. And sometimes it has been a bit of a stroke of luck. Sometimes, uh, but every other time that I look look behind, there has been a considerable amount of stress and hard work that happens at the same time during those phases. So I think uh, that resilience is, I, I've, I've, I've kind of started loving this word altogether and it's, I don't know, I mean, I hope in the future one doesn't question that whether this resilience was important or not, but uh, definitely resilience and you would know, Rajesh, uh, Jameet, uh, you know, resilience is one thing that that has made you what you are at the end of the day. It's, it's been one of the most important traits. Uh, In fact, it's fascinating. As I was listening to your journey, when I look at the parallels with my life, I think there are amazing parallels in the early days. When I came back from the US, the first few years, I tried multiple ventures. They all failed. <laughs> and then I uh, hit upon the idea of India world. Uh, and then I, and even there, those five years and that I ran India world till uh, the business was uh, acquired by SIFI. Right. There were so many near-death experiences. In fact, you talked about Siddharth. Uh, he spoke to me about uh, my journey of India world after almost 20 years. I not, no one had asked me. <laughs> and he there's a chapter in his book. Right. Uh, and when I spoke about it, I you know I read when I read what he had written, I was telling my wife. I mean, she was we were both partners in this whole thing. And you know, every month we were going through a near-death experience. Whoa. <laughs> I mean, that's really the life of an entrepreneur. You have no idea how it's coming. And I see that in a lot of what you have talked about today. Fascinating journey. Right, right. No, because I, I feel that near death also you know, happens because, I don't know, I mean, uh, you, you went completely. There, there's several ways of running a business now, thankfully, because now at least we have folks like you have already built and paved a certain degree of blueprint. Uh, you know, at the end of the day, that the ways of working is constantly changing and evolving. Like, you know, some bootstrap businesses that I'm really fond of has done a fabulous job now, and some take up a VC capital, some pretty much take only a PE capital in the future. So I think these near-death experiences increases because of the model also. I mean, when you take a VC capital, I mean, and they also need to give up higher than marketing uh, returns within a short period. That means there needs to be a catalyzed growth for the first five years. And when you're moving a ship at such a huge pace, I mean, uh, with, and imagine the kind of complexities of the variables. I mean, the more complex the number of variables and trying to, you, you're trying to move them at 100% year on year or 300%, let's say, year on year growth rate to satisfy that kind of IRR demands. 
you are bound to you know reach milestones or phases like these of near death i mean i i don't think it's inevitable uh yeah great and we'll come to jamit's favorite questions now <laughs> okay so, uh uh gitanj uh, i always ask these questions and i always get very very interesting answers uh my first question is um as an entrepreneur or as a uh individual or as a boss as a ceo there must be something that ticks you off regularly something that frustrates you what is the biggest thing or the smallest thing that gets you or gets you irritated or frustrated all the time what is it that you just can't handle <laughs> uh, i think uh i mean complacent behavior at the end of the day i think that's that's something that that's definitely one uh, and secondly being in positions which are helpless at the end of the day uh, sometimes which are not in a control and you just need to wait and watch it out what's going to happen is definitely these are the things where i see my sleepless nights for sure that you know uh, because you, you you're trying to continuously you know stride and you know push and uh, you know friday saturday sunday the respective of the time etc and you are always trying to form a family at the end of the day so i think that that happened i mean that that I, I, i'm not i'm not saying it's bad or good or wrong or fair i think every other team finds their own mojo or finds their own rhythm and a balance uh, like i was just speaking to my people said uh, his name is ketan two days back and we were so happy with our you know last friday's meeting that uh, in the past 5 years i've been seen a meeting like this in which everyone was pushy at the same time you know pushing for the right intentions and everyone was thinking company and not divisions i think that's 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 a very critical thing to have that you know i i'm not heading red, uh, you know a certain division our, our you know point of view is we might be having a you know paths together but we are solving for the company's problem statement you know. so anyway so we 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 found it so i think reaching that was was uh, must have uh, crossed a lot of times where i would have gotten tick with something or the other but that's all with the right intention of ensuring that the family is kind of coming together uh, so that's been one b i'm sort of helpless with uh, you know the, the things which are not in our, my control uh, uh, you know these some of the things like i mean i i don't want to go in that direction but some of the things like lockdown and everything i i i i kind of question uh, what what uh, you know true benefits without having a blueprint of framework of the lockdown i think definitely as a society right now we need a blueprint and a framework which is missing i mean which which somebody along with the government authorities and everyone and you know folks anybody who's in the influencing capacity it's been 5 5 months we 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 should have a blueprint and a framework by now uh, is is something that is bothering me these days for at least for the past couple of days so i get it you're you're talking more uh, people uh, in terms of complacency where you see that they're just happy and they're not pushing hard enough and that bugs you and then obviously being helpless or waiting for something to happen as opposed to an entrepreneur wanting to do things i think both of them are probably the hallmarks of a great entrepreneur <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the next question is uh, it's another interesting one and many times in our life uh, we do a lot of big things that get applauded and people thank us or we come back and there are case studies done of it but it's so many times i believe that there are small things that you would have done that probably never won you any award will probably not uh, something that you can probably brag about at some big forum but 
has actually impacted the business or impacted you as an entrepreneur or impacted the firm as a whole? Probably any small innovation, small thing that you think you want to talk about that uh, really changed something, but Ah, uh, it'll be, I don't know, but, uh, uh, some of the innovations I spoke about, how, you know, the initial journey was. Besides Irshad Bhai, of course. Besides Irshad Bhai, of course. Besides, sorry? Irshad Bhai. Irshad <laughs> Bhai, God level. <laughs> that, was, that was the innovation, BAP of innovation altogether. Yeah, but uh, other than that, something that I wasn't yet rewarded for. This is, I, I don't think you get rewarded for anything. Uh, you know, <laughs> I think it's it's fairly a you know lonely thing at the end of the day. Uh, you know we keep doing things at the end of the day. Uh, every other node in the entire chain is is having that role to give you that positive uh, feedback or criticism at the end of the day, which only shapes you better. Uh, so reward to pata nahi. I I can't think of anything Janice, right now. <laughs> reward or I don't think reward the main reward to scale ho in hindsight that'll be the reward. I, I guess so. I guess so. Sometimes yeah as an entrepreneur you do a lot of small 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 things and you just lose track because every small thing is a step towards a big thing that you've been prepared for probably your finance learnings product learnings uh, in terms of uh, your engineering and the tech that you're doing, Kama I think right. it's, it's quite interesting. It, it is very, I'm most fascinated by your business model. I'm most fascinated by you as an individual being able to bring all these opposites together. Thank I think you. what you're doing is absolutely remarkable. Right, Rajesh? No, I think for Jamit, I think it was a wonderful listening to Gitanj. I think it brought back for me a lot of memories of the early days of my own entrepreneurial journey about 25 years ago. See, entrepreneurship is, you know, it's not just about this one big idea which you get and then you go and do it. It's about going to work every day. I keep saying it's about the way how you have to go to work to reduce the risk of failure every day. It's about a string of innovations, small innovations. And what Gitanj is doing, you know, across all the sort of planks that you talked about, all the levers that you talked about is absolutely incredible. I think he's building an amazing business, which will be hard for anyone else, I think, to match. Uh, great work, uh, Gitanj, and uh, all Thank the you. best for your continuing journey. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you, Rajesh, Jamie, for, for my, the my, <laughs> my big one, my absolutely big learning today was when people join a firm, don't expect joining bonus. The, the people have to give joining equity to join your firm. <laughs> 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 please come. I want you to join and now please fund two, three furniture items. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Man in, yeah. <laughs> How did you manage that? <laughs> Gitanj, yes, How did you manage to get people and tell them to now pay money to you? <laughs> yeah, was a was a was a joining bonus to the company. <laughs> No, I think again, they were fascinated, I think, and I'm grateful to everyone who came in, uh, in those initial days. Uh, I think everyone was just liking the newness of the business model. I think the same thing that you're feeling, I think that that would have worked for them also. Great. Thanks a lot, Gitanj. Absolutely, right. absolutely brilliant. Fascinating talking to you. You're Thank truly you. a hippo brain. And uh, we love to uh, have people like you on the show. And for all of you, 
uh, that was another brilliant conversation with an absolutely massive hippobrain. Uh, you can find us on YouTube on hippobrain. Please click subscribe. You'll get more and more updates on on the latest uh, people that we meet. You can find us where you find your uh, regular podcasts on Spotify, on Google, on on your iTunes podcast, wherever you get it. And you can visit hippobrain.com. Thanks a lot. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you. Thank you, Rajesh. Thank you, Jamie, for putting this together. Thank you. Lovely chatting with you. Thank you, Gitanj. All right. See you. Bye.